And who could it have been? Let's see, I don't know. Let me think. Let me knock on Mr. Noggin. <laughs> who could trick us into doing that? Could have been Satan. <laughs> Once again, my devilish divers, welcome to week three of Halloween Horror Month 2023 here at the Deep Dive Podcast. I'm Tom Feeney, writer for Wang's Chop Movie Magazine. Halloween Horror Month is a tradition here in Studio D. We've been at it since 2019 in the before times. But for the entire month of October, we are going to look at four different sub-genres of horror movies and pick some of the more interesting offerings available on your local streaming services. This week, the Deep Dive Podcast dives deeper into the depths of demonic depravity by going straight to hell. Yes, the netherworld of eternal damnation. Call it Gehenna, Tartarus, Hades, Perdition, or Detroit. Hell has been depicted many, many times in films over the last century. Some feature the more traditional fire and brimstone version with souls of the damned writhing in eternal torment, you know the drill. But other depictions take a different approach, with hell being cold and desolate with still others showing hell as something very close to what we have here on the earthly plane. Some of the more popular looks into the abyss come from movies like Hellraiser, Constantine, Event Horizon, and yes, of course, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. This episode, we'll look at a few of these hot and heavy big screen hellscapes that you may not have heard of. And, of course, as we like to do here, a bit of a history lesson. No worries, this will not count towards your final grade. Now, one of the, if not the first, depiction of the Stygian depths on films comes to us from, unsurprisingly, the country known sometimes as Los de Valle, or The Boot. I am referring to, of course, Italy. Uh, why did I say unsurprisingly? Well, the film in question was called The Inferno and was based on the classic 14th century Italian narrative poem, The Divine Comedy, by poet Dante Alighieri, as in Dante's Inferno. This film version of Inferno, released in 1911, was the first feature-length motion picture produced in Italy and took three years to create. Now, for those of you not familiar with Dante's work, here's the Cliff's Notes synopsis, or uh, Spark Notes if you're younger. The Divine Comedy, also Dante's Inferno, is the first part of the epic poem. 
It is the story of the author's fictional journey through the three realms of the afterlife, hell, purgatory, and paradise. The depiction of hell in the film is pretty gruesome, just like it is in the poem, especially given the time it was made and the crude filmmaking techniques available over a century ago. There are scenes showing Satan eating people, sinners writhing in fiery lava, a man carrying his own severed head. It's freaky stuff, and really well done. Uh, no, no pun intended there. Thankfully, the film has survived to this day and has been restored, given new soundtracks, and even colorized. You can watch it for free on YouTube. Highly recommended. Now, that was just a little gore d'oeuvre. Now for the main dish. Right after this. Fruit! Quiet! Fruit! I'm me, Fruit Brute, with my fruit-flavored cereal, Fruit Brute, part of your nutritious breakfast. Fruit on you! But delicious Fruit Brute has fruit-flavored marshmallows for the howling good taste of fruit. Count Chocula's got chocolate marshmallows. Frank and Betty's got strawberry-flavored marshmallows. Fruit! Fruit Brute, with a howling good taste of fruit. Kenner presents you alien action figure. Figure new from Kenner. Welcome back. My first pick is the 1977 horror film The Sentinel, directed by Michael Winner and based on the novel of the same name. The cast is comprised of a pretty amazing mix of veteran and then relative newcomers. You've got legends like Ava Gardner, Burgess Meredith, Jose Ferrer, John Carradine, and Martin Balsam. Now, if, if the names don't ring a bell, just, just trust me, they are legends. And you've also got some future legends in there like Jeff Goldblum, Richard Dreyfuss, and Christopher Walken. Yeah, it's packed with star power. But there's another power at work here. One of pure evil. It's one of the nicer tree-lined blocks in New York, and only 20 minutes from the center of town. Oh, and just around the corner, there's a supermarket and the cleaners. That's Father Harron in 5A. He's blind. Blind? Well, then what does he look at? There is danger everywhere. There is evil, evil everywhere. Turn around, Allison. Look behind you. There is horror. There is darkness. I think Allison may die. But watching, waiting, warding off evil, there is hope. The Sentinel. Before Howard, there was Father David Spinetti. Before him, 
Mary Thorin becomes Sister Mary Angelica. Father Matthew Halloran dies the same day that Alison Parker disappears and becomes Sister Teresa. I call thee! I heard confusion expedite our glory! Is the Sentinel the only thing that stands between the mortal world and the torment of hell? Between happiness and horror? She went to a party with eight dead murderers. Eli Wallach. Doesn't everybody? Have a hat and noisemaker. Sylvia Miles. Nobody has lived in that building for three years. Ava Gardner. Martin Balsam. Jose Ferrer. Arthur Kennedy. There is danger. I swear to God, I'll kill you! Chris Sarandon. I'll kill you! Burgess Meredith. Welcome home. And Christina Raines. The Sentinel. The most frightening motion picture experience of your life. And the most revealing. Turn around. Look behind you. Be one with us. No! There is evil everywhere. And the Sentinel is the only hope. The Sentinel. The Sentinel combines elements of supernatural horror and psychological thriller. The story revolves around Allison Parker, a young and aspiring fashion model who moves into an old brownstone apartment in Brooklyn Heights, New York. She is seeking independence from her troubled past, which includes a traumatic incident involving her ex-lover. Unbeknownst to her, and I do love the word unbeknownst, the brownstone has a sinister history and is linked to a secret the Catholic Church is trying to hide. Allison soon begins to experience a series of disturbing and unexplainable events. She hears strange noises, sees eerie apparitions, and senses a pervasive, malevolent presence in the building. She befriends her neighbor, Father Halloran, a blind priest who lives on the top floor. Now, Father Halloran warns her of the building's dark past, and it becomes clear that he is guarding something terrible. As Allison's experiences become increasingly horrifying, she seeks help from her boyfriend, Michael, and a detective named Gatz, who is investigating a series of mysterious deaths in the area. These deaths are somehow connected to the brownstone and the inexplicable events that Allison is witnessing. Allison's investigations lead her to uncover a terrifying truth about the brownstone's history. Hey, guess what? It's a portal to hell. See, this is why you can't get a good apartment in New York anymore. So this building has more than just a landlord and a custodian. It has the Sentinel. Someone who is charged with keeping the portal closed and the various demonic entities from escaping. You know, like you do with your pets. The film culminates in a nightmarish showdown as Allison confronts the unspeakable evil lurking within the building. And she must answer the burning question. Will she become the Sentinel?
When it was released, The Sentinel got decidedly mixed reviews, with many critics dismissing it as yet another attempt to profit off the success of movies with similar themes like The Exorcist, The Omen, and Rosemary's Baby. Some likened it to one of the many 70s films with the quote-unquote all-star cast, meaning, you know, there's actors who were either at the beginning or end of their careers and were just getting a paycheck or trying to get some screen time. But that's not quite fair. The Sentinel has its share of creepy and sometimes disquieting visuals. Performances are good all around, and the ending is not at all predictable. Plus, the fact that you've got an apartment building that's a portal to hell is pretty cool. And it's by no means fast-paced, but it does have atmosphere to spare. And hey, who doesn't love a 70s horror movie? Coming up next, the feel-bad film of 2018. Right after this. Good evening to you, my friends. Actually, I hadn't really planned on disappearing in public again, but when I heard what they wanted me for, I couldn't say no. I'm here to tell you about the amazing new Talon Invisible Zipper. And believe me, friends, if anyone should know a good thing when they don't see it, it's me. You can install the Invisible Zipper easily with Talon's incredible new zipper foot. And when you're done, all you'll see is nothing. And if my clumsy hands can do it, anyone can do it. This is the Invisible Man saying, get the amazing new Talon Invisible Zipper. Well, goodbye for now, and I won't be seeing you. Okay, my next pick is... <sighs> not for everyone. In fact, I'm not sure it's for anyone. It comes to us from the rather twisted imagination of Danish writer-director Lars von Trier. Oh, you don't know that name? Well, your mental health may be better off that way. Since the turn of this century, von Trier has been responsible for such cinematic insanity as Antichrist, Melancholia, and Nymphomaniac, collectively known as his Depression Trilogy. Yeah. And that brings us to his 2018 venture into serial killer territory. The house that Jack built. Your house is a fine little house, Jack. Are you allowed to speak along the way? I was thinking there might be rules. Let me put it this way. Very few make it all the way without uttering a word. But do carry on merrily. Just don't believe you're going to tell me something I haven't heard before. Some people claim that the atrocities we commit in our fiction are those inner desires which we cannot commit in our controlled civilization. So they are expressed instead through our art. I don't agree. I believe heaven and hell are one and the same. The soul belongs to heaven and the body to hell. think about all the things I've done in my life without in any way resulting in punishment. The film is structured as a series of five incidents or chapters framed by conversations between the main character, Jack, 
played by Matt Dillon, of all people, and a mysterious, enigmatic character named Verge. Jack is a highly intelligent and meticulous serial killer who sees himself as an artist. He narrates his life and his murders, explaining his methods, motivations, and philosophical justifications for his brutality. Throughout the movie, we witness Jack carrying out a series of increasingly gruesome and sadistic murders, each one more macabre and shocking than the last. He obsessively collects photographs of his victims and indulges in a disturbing compulsion to preserve pieces of their bodies as souvenirs. As the film progresses, Jack's psyche deteriorates and his descent into madness becomes more apparent. He also reflects on his relationships with women, his failures, and the influence of past traumas on his life. His companion Verge, who engages Jack in conversations about art, morality, and ethics, serves as sort of a guide through Jack's twisted psyche. But who is Verge really? And what will happen when they enter the house that Jack built? As you may have surmised, this movie is not for the faint of heart or queasy of stomach. It delves into themes of obsession, violence, and the blurred lines between artistic creation and moral depravity. The film has sparked intense debate and has been both criticized for its graphic content and praised for its unique approach to examining the nature of evil and the human psyche. Will Jack meet his end, and find himself facing an eternity in the fiery pit of hell? Maybe. After a break, we make some non-fiction friction. The Halloween experts at Magic Manor have everything you'll need this year, including actual character masks from famous motion pictures. And they can show you the proper application of makeup to impress that special someone. Magic Manor's professional hand-painted custom masks start as low as $2.50. This Halloween, remember Magic Manor. Wigs, masks, makeup, costumes, shockingly authentic. Magic Manor, East Wind Mall. Everybody's heading for Woolworth and Woolco to get set for Halloween. There's costumes of TV favorites like Wonder Woman and the Hulk. There's popular characters from Star Wars. And there's superheroes like Spider-Man, Batman, Superman, and many more at bare bones prices. $2.38 to $4.17. And there's spook sticks, face pops, Halloween's wrapped candy of every kind, all at the favorite Halloween haunts. Woolworth and Woolco. And we're back. And depending upon your personal beliefs, the notion of hell is either a terrifying eternal punishment for the unsaved sinner or a purely human creation designed to keep followers in line. Does anyone truly know if hell is real? What about those who have technically been declared dead and have been revived? There are many stories of people who have experienced visions after they have quote-unquote died. Many of those visions include seeing a bright light, or traveling through a tunnel, or seeing long-deceased loved ones, and reliving past memories. 
Some scientists believe that when the body senses a lack of oxygen, there's a burst of activity in the brain that's part of a kind of survival mode. That activity takes place in the part of the brain that controls memory, learning, and dreaming. Not all those near-death experiences are pleasant ones, however. According to studies, the least common near-death experience is referred to as the hellish NDE. Now that brings us to our next film. Part of the popular pseudo-documentary or speculation genre popular in the 1970s. Yes, UFOs, pyramids, the Bermuda Triangle, and Satanism were all popular fodder for these movies that pandered to the curious and the gullible. One of these movies dealt with supposedly true accounts of near-death experience. Beyond and back. May 10th, 1975. Dan Wilson was about to enter a realm from which very few persons have ever returned. He was about to die. Though pronounced clinically dead, Wilson miraculously recovered and was able to tell about the experience. Someday, like Dan Wilson, we are all going to die. What will it be like? Is there life after death? Is there a heaven? How does it feel to die? What happens at the moment of death? Some people believe that the spirit leaves the body on a voyage into the unknown. But where does the spirit go? Until now, no one really knew. Death has always been the final mystery. In ancient Greece, the philosopher Plato searched for the key to the unknown. In 1918, a young ambulance driver named Ernest Hemingway suffered a temporary death on the battlefield and miraculously recovered to write about it. And in 1975, Byron Temple fell from a four-story building and was pronounced clinically dead. Yet he was revived to tell of his fantastic experience. On August 4th, 1943, Paul Kelly died of pneumonia. He left his body and for a time wandered through the hospital until it was brought back to life. On December 14, 1964, Anne Fleck died. Suddenly, she was outside her body looking down on the scene below. Later, she could recount in detail events which happened in the room while she was pronounced clinically dead. What happened during the fateful minutes these people spent in the world beyond? Now comes the startling new motion picture, Beyond and Back. You'll meet people who have actually suffered a temporary death. Some say they've met Christ. Others simply floated in a peaceful darkness. And there are those who claim they visited another dimension. But in all cases, it was an unforgettable experience. And these people say they no longer fear the hereafter. Now you'll be able to decide for yourself if there is life after death. It's an exciting experience for the whole family. Don't miss Beyond and Back from Sun Classic Pictures. Produced by the Utah-based Sun Classic Pictures, Beyond and Back featured dramatizations of several experiences recounted by people who died and came back. Most of these are of the typical sort. Out-of-body experiences, bright lights and all that. But the final segment in the film is perhaps the one that traumatized the most kids back in 1978. I know, because I was one of them. In the segment, a woman is distraught to discover that her fiancé is leaving her for another woman. She gets in her car and purposely drives off a cliff, attempting suicide. 
She then has terrifying visions of being tormented and chased by faceless monsters that force her to watch her family grieving over her death and see the faces of her future children that will never be born. Well, it was a horrifying scene, you know, for a G-rated movie. Gave me nightmares for weeks. Well, let's move along, shall we? To an actual documentary about a group of people trying to create a literal hell on Earth. So what are our themes that we deal with in Hellas? We deal with family violence. We deal with suicide. We deal with abortion. We deal with drugs. We deal with alcohol, drunkenness. Welcome. Your journey has finally brought you to the place of eternal agony. Here you will be subjected to constant torture and everlasting pain. Come. Let us meet those who have swallowed the poison of my life. You get her real quick. I hate you, God. No, you did this to me. What if I did? I was dead. What would you do then? Oh, you're going to hell, my son. No. We're competing for lost souls. It is a war. It is a battle. It is a competition. And there's a serious game where life and death is at stake. We're going to win. If you were to die tonight, do you know where you will go? The documentary Hell House, released in 2002, looks at the creation of a kind of haunted house, one that's meant to literally scare the hell out of those who enter. It follows members of a youth group from Cedar Hill Trinity Church, a charismatic evangelical Christian denomination based in Texas. For years, every October, the church has put together their own haunted house meant to scare sinners into converting to Christianity. Hey, what could go wrong? Well, when your haunted house features scenes of drug overdoses, domestic abuse, a gay man dying of AIDS, and yes, people burning in hell, well you might have some controversy there. Now, the filmmakers here go out of their way not to pick a side here, but the zeal these young people feel for the grisly, darkly moralistic, nightmarish content is, to say the least, as disturbing as any fictional horror movie I've ever seen. It's an interesting and not quite sane look into the mindset of evangelicals in the deep, deep South. It's an eye-opener for sure. While the Cedar Hill Church hasn't had a hell house since 2018, there are hundreds of similar houses that pop up all around the country this time of year. Me? Well, I prefer my scares without the sacrilege. Okay, let's recap, shall we? My first pick, the 1977 apartment from hell horror film The Sentinel can be viewed on Netflix for subscribers as of this recording. And you can also rent it on Prime Video and Apple TV for around four bucks. The more recent serial killer film, The House That Jack Built, is currently on Hulu for subscribers or on ad-supported Tubi for free. 
Rentals can be found for $4 on Apple TV, Vudu, and Prime Video. The pseudo-documentary Beyond and Back has never had a proper home video release, but can be seen in its entirety on YouTube. And the actual documentary, Hell House, is on Prime Video only for a rental price of $5. Next week, the Deep Dive Podcast looks at a fascinating phenomenon in horror films, the shot-on-video horror movie. What happens when earnest amateurs with camcorders try to make mischief? Join us then. Thanks for listening. If this is the first time you've heard this podcast, check out our past episodes, available on almost all podcast providers, and subscribe so you don't miss a single one. If you like what you hear, write a review. We'd love to know what you think. Email us at thedeepdivepodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out our website at thedeepdivepodcast.com. Links to all our media can be found on our Instagram bio, which is simply The Deep Dive Podcast, and that includes our awesome t-shirt store. All clips used in this podcast are meant for educational purposes only and not to infringe on existing copyrights. Halloween Horror Month is part of the Deep Dive Podcast family and a production of Automaton Studios. Do atheists go to hell? No. How about people who say they are not religious, but they are spiritual? Straight to hell, to the boiler room of hell, all the way down. Sometimes I pull them out just so they think everything is going to be okay, but then I put them right back in. Good. Good. That makes me happy.